I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. Bing bong, bong, bong. Bong, bong. We're back for another episode of Suggestible where we go, hey, listen to the things that we're talking about and let it go watch them. And you sometimes do, but more often than not, don't. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> I'm mm. Claire. Jane is here also. We are hey. married. Mm. We like suggesting you stuff. We do. We do. What are we doing this week, Claire? What kind of um, – do you want to start off with that thread in the Facebook group or do you want to do that towards Ooh, the end? Um, Maybe we'll do that towards – should we do the recommendations first and then we'll – Yeah, then we'll get we'll back stuck in. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I think you should go first. Are you sure? Yeah. Just before we begin, how was your week? It was really okay. What about you? Really okay. All right. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. It's, uh, we're, uh, we were talking about this today, but we're like, why are we both so tired? We're so tired. And then we're like, oh, yeah, we've got a baby. Yeah. We've got a, a baby <laughs> that wakes up like twice in the night oh, and, uh, and a five-year-old. And it's a lot. That's probably why we're tired. I'm feeling, I don't know if anyone, and look, 2020 has been bloody exhausting mm. anyway, but I'm just feeling old. Like yeah. I'm 35. You look it. But, yeah, I feel old. You look it. Like I've suddenly stepped through the looking glass and realised why our parents acted the way they did. (laughs) Yeah, why we hate our parents. (laughs) Now we know. No, we love them. But I understand them more because Mm. everybody is tired. Everyone's tired all the time. (laughs) Everyone's tired all the time. And I just think that I wish to not be. It would be nice. (laughs) Well, we shouldn't have had kids. too late. Yeah. I know. Can't anyway. put the toothpaste back in the tube or the baby back in the bod. As no, they say. no, no. Mm. God, please don't put it back up there. That would be awful. That would be awful. She don't weighs do it. like 10 kilos. Now. I think there's a reason people don't do that. <laughs> One of my friends did say having a baby in there is com- more comforting because she feels like the baby's just in there. You don't have to do anything, you don't have to feed it. It just no, stays a good, there. It's all, it's all automated. It's all yeah. automated. I don't know about that. How do you feel that. about that? Yeah. Yeah, I much prefer baby out of bod. Well, then I can do stuff with the baby. Correct. And I'm the not baby. the sole person trying to keep this leech alive. It's leeching <laughs> oh the very goodness. life essence out of me. And also, she's pretty squishy and gorgeous. Like anyway, a leech. Let's, right, let's get into it. Let's start talking about um, it. So, the first, first movie might come as a bit of a shock that I'm talking about it because I notoriously <laughs> I despise disaster movies. I don't like any of them. <laughs> Like, I know Twister's like, I know I've said like I've rubbished Twister before. Twister's actually, it's pretty good. It's, it's got, bloody it's great. It's got Helen, Helen Hunt, Hunt. It's got Bill Paxton. I will watch it's got anything Philip Seymour Helen Hunt. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, I just think she's so mad about you. Yeah, she's Classic great. Classic show. Something's Gotta Give. What's yeah. the one with? No, no. Um, What's the one with? Um, with Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And that's not like Jack Nicholson's like, I'm grumpy, but you want to kiss me, (laughs) even though I'm 80 years old. Yeah, exactly, which is, as we will get to later, another trope. Yeah, absolutely. A very familiar, well worn trope for men versus women, men being old and grumpy Mm. and women being, oh, but I can see past him to his heart of gold. Let me kiss him. I'm going to break through this exterior. It takes me months and months (laughs) to wear him down. And he'll die in four years, but this is what I want. (laughs) Anyway. Jerry Butler is in a new End of the World movie. His oh. last End of the World movie, or there may have been one in between, it was called uh, Geostorm. I'm Jerry was, Butler. 
I'm very manly and, and bearded. I'm very. Ooh, and ooh. I'm. <laughs> There's a moment where, he's, where the guy's like, where are you from? And he's like, I'm from Wisconsin or where we're supposed to be from. And he's like, no, where are you really from? And I'm like, Jerry Butler, he knows you don't. You know you're from Scotland or wherever you're supposed to be from. <laughs> My favourite Jerry Butler movies was when he tries to sort of put on an American accent, but he's just like, well, fucking whatever. <laughs> but um, anyway, when we're watching it, you're like, Jerry Butler's really attractive. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I can't read you at all. I'm like, I understand that he's good looking. Like, I get it. But like him compared to like, I can't like, you'd look at Bradley Cooper and go, nah, he looks like a weasel or whatever. I don't know what you think of Bradley Cooper. I don't Cooper. think he looks like a weasel. Okay, here's the thing. Ostensibly, I'm really into ugly dudes. <laughs> oh, what was that like? I'm in a very silly mood. Yeah, but. No, no. But then, then I, well, because then I was like, is it the 300 thing? Because he's got all the big muscles. It's, nah. it's the PS I love you. So it's not so much his face. I mean, it is. But it's like his like spirit and energy is, has a lot to do with it, right? <laughs> you probably like that one where it's, I think it's called like Think Like a Man or Men Like Us or. <laughs> Men, what men, 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 men. No, Whatever. It's one. one of those things where Catherine Heigl as a she's a TV executive and he's got a talk show where he's just where he's like a man and he's telling he's telling oh, women how it is. Yeah. No, I don't Probably like him that in that as much. One. Yeah. No, I really that one really annoys me. No, yeah. um, I like him in Pierce. I love you, but the thing about it is he's quite rough around the edges. Mm. That's what it is. Because I I don't know. Like, look, a lot of women are into Brad Pitt. I've heard. Yeah, that's another one where you're like, you're not really big on Brad Pitt. Nah. Yeah. No, because too pretty. Too, like, too too pretty. Even and now? Yeah. Nah, I'm not into it. Okay. Nah. And also I think something about um, him, yeah, a bit too polished kind of annoys me too. Like we had a discussion about this recently um, that – who am I talking Oh, look, Bradley. it's our it's – our... <laughs> I literally just said she's been quiet for ages. Yeah. I literally said the baby monitor would shine. This doesn't even happen on other nights, really, does it? No, it really doesn't. It's only – I feel like she knows that we've left the building. She do it. She probably does. No, Bradley Cooper. So, right, yeah, there's yeah, Bradley yeah. Cooper of, like, slicked back um, – what's the show where they all go Hang crazy? On. Yeah, slicked Bradley Cooper, right? They go crazy. And then there's – yeah, they go so crazy. They lose teeth but, and everything. But you'd like him in the one where he sings with Lady Gaga. Correct. Because he's like – like, it's like a different kind of, kind of like, energy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's kind of like he makes stuff and he's like a musician and there's something he's like trouble. about, yeah, yeah, a bit of like not the, the bad boy but just that he's a bit rough around the edges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's, really, got a bit, he's got depth as opposed yeah, to the guy in the hangar correct. who's just like Vegas, depth. baby. Yeah, that's the other part of it. I think it's that he's got depth. And Jared Butler, Jerry Butler. Jerry Butler. Always plays characters with the kind of rough yeah. around the edges depth. I like. I you genuinely know? like him. I think yeah. he's great. Like, and even yeah. the things that I don't like, I always like him. Yeah. There's um. He's in the movie, uh, the one about the dragons we did recently, Rain of Fire, where dragons take over the world or whatever. <laughs> I fucking love that movie, and it's probably not very good, but I love it. But yeah, I I, I completely understand. There's a great celebrities read me tweets where one of them is like. Jerry Butler, why do you do all these these shitty movies? And he's just laughing. He's like, I don't know. I just do. Because he does so well. There's one called Law Abiding Citizen where I can't remember something happens to his family, like his wife dies or his kids are in an accident or whatever. So he just sets up all these booby traps for all the people who wronged him. And there's literally a scene where like a senator or something goes to pick up her phone and he's rigged it so when she answers it, it shoots her through the head. Oh, that's (laughs) terrible. And I'm like, this movie's insane. There's another movie called Gamer where um, where this is this sounds made up, but it's not. Where it's a world where video gaming has got to the point where you can take a felon, a criminal, and you put like a headset on them, 
and then you can run them through like a video game at Wood Home will run them through like a like a tournament, but it's like a real person and he's like yeah. the guy with the gun like running around. Yeah. It's crazy shit. Like he's, he's totally <laughs> but he's great. He's really good. And anyway, the movie I want to talk about, <laughs> it's called Greenland. It's uh directed by Rick Roman War. Stars uh, Jerry uh, Butler and Marina Baccarin. And I, I don't know if I say her name right, but she's from like Firefly and she's also from like Gotham and a bunch of other stuff. She's from Dead, the Deadpool movies. But it's about John Garrity and his estranged wife and their young son. They embark on a perilous journey to find sanctuary as a planet killing comet hurdles towards Earth, right? This is like not my bag at all. Like I'm sick of these movies. I'm like 2012, the day the Earth got frozen or whatever, any of them. I don't like them. It's kind of low budget. It's like thirty-five million, which is not a lot for a movie like this because normally, like the cities are falling down. But it handles that really well. I feel like it does. Like there's bits and pieces of like the wider world, but it's not all about like the buildings falling down. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? And, and none of that stuff. But what really works about this movie for me is like, and it's probably also at the point where I'm in my life. It's the characterization of the people in it. Because there's moments where, like, the family are together and they're trying to get to this bunker and, you know, they're getting knocked back and then they're getting separated and they come back together. It's got it's got a really good ebb, of, ebb and flow of, like, tension and knows when to kind of, like, give you, like, a little like give you a little bit of hope and then, like, something perilous then happens again, you know what I mean? And it kind of does that all the way to the end. It's terrific. It's really good. It's got, like, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I was also really surprised by because it's not, it's not, you know, like Citizen Kane, a movie I haven't seen. But it's just, it's an excellent example of this kind of movie done really well. And you were even watching, you caught most of it, didn't yeah, you? You're I, on the yeah, same page I normally go to bed and you turn a movie on and I'm like, ugh, another thriller disaster movie about yeah. the end of the world. But I also, I don't know if you know this about me, I love disaster movies. I didn't know that. I, I mean, I'm not an expert by any means. I don't watch them all the time. Sounds like you're an but expert. But I don't like paranormal, spooky movies no, I'm and, not a I, and, and really gory war kind of movies. But there is something about natural disaster movies that I find fascinating. I don't know. I don't know. And it may be less terrifying because it's not about human beings being awful, though obviously that can happen as a, as a byproduct. definitely part of that, yeah. Yeah, but the, the villain is not like an entity. It's more that it's kind of fascinating to me, that idea that the world could become completely unstable and unlivable for us. Um, and also – Possibly that feels a little like close totally. to the bone. And that's <laughs> yeah. a bit true. And I think that's also that's part of why this movie's so good is because even though it's a comet, it's not like a global warming situation. But you know, it could happen. It has yeah, well, happened. That's happened to the dinosaurs and it can happen. as my five year old yeah. always talks about. Yeah. And there's not even like a moment where they try to like shoot the comet down because it's like it's not one thing. It's like a it's a yeah. series of smaller meteors Correct. that meteor strikes or whatever. So it's just basically like we need to get to safety. Yeah. In this, when we have X amount of time and it's just us kind of, yeah. you know, make. And, and I think what it does really well as well is A, it's the chemistry between mm. the, the, the husband and wife and, yeah. and their son. But it, there's a lot of close up shots. The actors do a really good job of putting you in their shoes. Definitely. And they make choices that you would make. Yes. All the way along. They're making choices that you're like, well, yeah, I would try and do that. And, yeah, I and would do that. And the kid's really good. Yeah, he is. He's really, yeah, he is really Really good. believable. Yeah. yeah, he is. He And he he doesn't try and be too cutesy or anything. No, he's not at all. He seems He just seems regular, like a yeah. regular kid. And that in itself is what is so heartbreaking about it because it, felt, it feels like it could mm. be you running for your life. The moment basically. where, like, there's a moment where the kid gets separated <gasps> 
And then, you know, when the, when the other people have him and there's the moment and he just, like, breaks down. It's yeah. I've got to, I'm not going to spoil too much of it. It's, it's on streaming. You can get it. But um, he's good. It's really good. It's, I, I mean, I'm, I sound surprised, and I am. Yeah. But it's I, – I, I was yeah. – I, I don't even know. It was one of those things where I was like, yeah, I guess I'll watch this, whatever. And it was just like very enthralling and captivating yeah, for me. Yeah, it was. It was really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I always love – I sound insane. I know. Uh, maybe it's not good, but <laughs> maybe was, I'm just tired. No, um, Jared, Jared Butler's wife. Uh, like, Marina Baccarin. Yeah, she's so She's great. great. Yeah, she's yeah, really good. Yeah, you talked about that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, she's so good. There's a moment as well with her in particular in the car. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I totally don't want to yeah. spoil it. But, yeah, mm. I know she does that so well. Mm. Yeah, okay. Oh, it also does a really good job of – highlighting the good things in human nature as well even as the world is ending and there are bad people in the movie there but are, it yeah. does a good job of being like no people are people will still go out of their way to help people they don't know which i yeah. thought was really nice i know that was i really loved that moment and this is a slight spoiler but not really because it starts at the beginning of the film when they're talking to one of the military personnel mm. because they won't let them on a pla- on the plane yeah. to, that's getting to safety and um, her character goes ballistic as you would in that situation yeah. when you're trying to stand up for your son and for the lives of your family and I thought the officer played it so well where she just says, well, my family can't get on. Yeah. And I hear you and I understand, but there's I'm still I here doing do. this. I'm still yeah. here doing this anyway. Yeah. And that made you really go... Yes, that that felt authentic. It did. It was because we've met people like that. Yeah. We've met nurses and doctors yeah. like that. And in crisis situations, yeah. there are some people who become really aggressive and shut you down mm. in those positions of authority. And then there are other people that are so compassionate and empathetic. Yeah. Like there's a moment where a nurse helps them yeah. and gives the diabetic medicine to the little boy and mm. the mother and just gives them this big hug. And in that moment, I just thought about all of the um, healthcare workers at the forefront of COVID at the moment and what yeah, we're going totally, through yeah. and how what a difference when someone actually cares for you yeah. and cares about you, what what a difference that tiny – it might only be a five-minute interaction, yeah. you know, someone bringing you an extra cup of tea or giving you a hug or something. And it's happened to me too. There's just been some amazing nurses who've given me a, a hug yeah. at just, a, just the, the right time, time I needed yeah. it or an extra cup of tea or a blanket. And or just to stop and sit with you for a minute, you know, just yeah. yeah. And it's it's a tiny section out of their day, but it can mean the world to someone. Yeah. So that those are the kind of Which things. Which is why I they should be paid that. much more. Correct. Yeah. Exactly right. I, anyway. I, no, you, uh, just quickly, that bit you're talking about where the woman's like, "I'm here, and my family's not here, and I'm still doing this yeah. to get these people to safety." That did for a while. It wasn't just a, like a general being like, "Well, these are the rules, and this is from the." It was like. I understand what you're saying, but what what do you want me to do? Like I shouldn't even be here and this is, yeah. you know, it's that di- – I didn't even think about that, but, yeah, that felt very genuine. Mm. Anyway, we should move on. We've we talk- should move We've on. We've talked about the movie Greenland for too long. It's a great movie <laughs> that you should watch But it's it. the dialogue. That's what I always yeah. talk about, the dialogue where the characters are complex yeah. and not one thing or another mm. makes a difference. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay. What do you got? So this is interesting. It's such a strange juxtaposition. 
I want to talk about the film Hillbilly Elegy. I was really interested for you to talk about this because people hate, hate this that. movie. I know. <laughs> okay. So for lots of reasons, I had no idea about I just I'd heard I'd heard the name I'd heard that it was a memoir by J D Vance, but yep. I'd never read it, and I just had no I'd not heard nothing about the film, no reviews, anything. So I just put it on on Netflix and was immediately really absorbed in it and really enjoyed it. And I was so kind of shocked when you came in and said, oh, this movie, everybody hates it. And I was like, oh, God, oh, no, I don't know anything about anything. And then I realised that goes to show you that, I mean, I think part of the reason I enjoyed it is because um, I'll go into what it's about first in case people don't know. So the um, memoir that it's based on by J.D. Vance and, and the movie itself is about three generations of the Vance's and Appalachian family. Yes. Most noticeably it focuses on um, Vance's relationship with his troubled mother and her ongoing addiction to heroin along with the love and care of his supportive grandmother and his eventual kind of rise out of poverty um, into Harvard Law School. And it begins with him, the film itself begins with him at Harvard Law School and then tracks his story back in yes. time. So how he got there, um, basically. I think what is what I've re- come to realise is because I don't have any of that background knowledge about the reality of what it's like to live in middle America and where the sort of film is set, you know, this quote-unquote working white working class of America mm. The real America, all of that the stuff. heartland, the heartland, you know. And I didn't realize either that this memoir had kind of become um, one of those kind of symbols of Trumpism as well, and right, held okay. up as quite um, a story of, you know, speaking to the heart of um, white working class people in America. I hadn't. So, oh, so do you think that? that do you think that factored into people being yeah. like? I do. This is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, or I do. Yeah. I do. And look, okay. I see that. Like a lot of the criticism is because I read a whole lot of reviews and a lot of the criticism is, and I, I do agree this, that it's too kind of, um, I guess, earnest or something. Like it it washes over it a bit. Like it's not gritty enough and that there are sort of, they say that it's kind of boring and I just didn't find it boring. I found it really moving and I cried. Really, um, right, yeah. Yeah, Amy Adams plays Beverly yeah. Vance, um, JD's mother, and then Glenn Close plays Bonnie Vance, who is JD's grandmother, and Gabriel Basso plays JD himself, and then Owen Astolsus, I, I think I've said his name wrong, um, plays the young JD, and I think he's great. Mm. Owen is just so lovable but also kind of confused and I, I just thought he was really, really good. I, I really enjoyed Glenn Glose's d- depiction. Yeah, so like, I heard I people, really... weren't, people weren't loving Glenn. No, people hated Why it. They thought hate... she wore a wig. They thought it was Oscar bait as well and well, it was all. Yeah, and, I've heard that part. It... Do you think that's true? Look, now in hindsight I look back and I think, well, obviously there were some, I think part of the criticism has also been around Hillbilly stereotyping and how, you know, a lot of the well-trodden paths around hillbillies and the Appalachian culture was kind of walked through without going deeper Um, and so it was a little bit too surface level. But I just thought Glenn Close was brilliant. I thought she was quite unrecognisable in that character. I thought she was really badass and quite funny. I thought she came from a really traumatic background Um, and I thought Amy Adams played this character of a I mean, they're both addict. great, yeah. They're both really great. And I just thought, 
they were excellent and I really believed the story. And and to me, though, I think I thought about it now and the reason why I enjoyed it so much was maybe because I don't have a stake in the game about any of that American politics and I wasn't watching it from that perspective. I wasn't watching it so much for what it says about poverty in America either yeah. or the white working class. What it spoke to me about was um, what happens to women over generations, mm. particularly yeah. women who don't come from privileged backgrounds. Because and you it, get stuck in that like yeah, poverty cycle. Yeah, because Glenn Close's character gets pregnant at 13, has to leave yeah. the mountains, the hill, her, you know, her home, and um, goes with her part, like her eventual partner or husband into the main kind of city and has to kind of then eke out an existence from there. So she has a baby at 13. It's crazy. So when you think about the limiting of her options from that point forward, yeah. and she's clearly such a funny, smart, gritty person. Yeah. Um, and obviously you find out through the film that her relationship with her husband was pretty traumatic yeah. and that that, and, you know, quite violent in, in parts. And obviously they don't go deeply into that. There's not a lot of really highly confronting scenes, which I think is probably another one of the criticisms, but I... I, I thought that didn't matter. It's directed by Ron Howard, is yeah, that right? Yeah, it's directed yeah, yeah. by Ron like Howard Ron and the screenplay's written he by... He directed your favourite movie, Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> yeah, I know, my favourite it. film. Um, it's the screenplay's by Vanessa Taylor who okay. wrote The Shape of Water, which is one of my favourite films, and Divergent, and she was also a... Divergent, the... No, that's not one of my favourite films. The Shape of Water is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Divergent, films. the Shailene Woodley, yeah, like, yeah. teen... Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, and she's also a, she was also a script doctor on Aladdin. Oh. Um, yeah. Sorry. I mean, like your your script has passed away. There was nothing we could do. <laughs> that wasn't a good joke. Anyway, but anyway. No, I thought it was funny. I thought it was very funny. Um, look, I guess what I wanted to say is it's more to me about intergenerational trauma, how that yeah. gets passed down, and what happens to women's spirits when because. Um, Amy Adams' character, so Bev in real life, because it's a true story, became pregnant at 18 and she graduated from high school second in her class out of 400 students. So the story kind of is told that she was this bright, you know, kind of woman who was really going to take her family somewhere and slowly over time it got beaten out of her basically, partly probably due to her own difficult childhood and drug addiction as well. She becomes a mm. nurse and is addicted to painkillers, kill, pain which is obviously a huge epidemic in America as well. So it does look at a little bit at that, not in great detail. It also shows how Amy Adams' character Bev sort of believes that her only way out of where she is is to find a man and so she keeps dating man after man after man and difficult relationships. They keep breaking down. She keeps, fight, you know, trying to get married to someone else that he'll bring them mm. out. And she even says to JD at one point, you know, he's he was making fun of her in a way for, you know, constantly being in relationship after relationship. And she just loses it in the car and drives super fast and almost kills them. But She's screaming at that time, I'm doing it for you, you don't understand, I'm doing this for you to try and get you and your, your sister out of where we're at and get us somewhere better. And so yeah. for some something in, this, in the culture, she's absorbed something in the culture that rather than, you know, her trying to better her own self and get her own self out of the situation, she should be trying to find a man to do that for yeah, them. Yeah, right, okay. You know, in a way. Mm -hmm. 
anyway, so that and that to me is that kind of misogyny that gets kind of that gets absorbed subconsciously by women too. And just how difficult time as well happens to people, you know, as her character Amy Adams' character goes back and forward in time. And that broke my heart because you see her as this sort of woman in her 60s, 50s, mm. 60s. Is it the same? She's doing both? Yeah. yeah. And they do a great job, I think, of depicting what ha- what has happened to her over time. She sort of becomes this heroin addict and why she gets to the point that she does. And then Glenn Close takes JD in and decides that she's going to take over his life and force him mm. to get an education and, you know, give him a give himself as much of a chance as he possibly can to better his life. And I thought there was an interesting theme there, which we've looked at when we look at poverty, that in order to sort of, I guess, move forward or become wealthier, have more power, more privilege, Mm. more autonomy in your life, you you actually have to distance yourself often from your family, which is one of the reasons that people find it really difficult to move yeah, because um, you get pulled from, back in. Yeah, because we've, we've lived in communities like that. You get pulled back in. Yeah, because you have yeah. to turn your back so people think you're too, you know, being oh, too good for us now. Mighty, yeah, yeah, too yeah. good for us. And there, you often then have to actually completely shut out all those people from your life until you are, have reached where you need to be and you've got enough strength to come back and help them. But bef- but while you're on that journey, you often have to shut the door behind them. Yes. I, you know, and that's what's so difficult and they explore that theme what do you, too. What do you think about that though? Like do you think that's true? Yeah, I do. Well, that, I mean studies I've read as well. I think How would you feel true. like like you doing that though? To Not that you family. have to, but do you know what I mean? What if you had, you know? I mean it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking and it's, and it's why often people don't end up moving to go to university or because there's a fear that tall poppy syndrome, you know, yeah. you, in order to do something new and different like that, you, you people get threatened in your life and some people you do have to say goodbye to because they're yeah, secretly oh, totally. trying to there's, stop you from leaving there's them definitely by tearing not you down. In, not in my family but there's definitely people that I've like just kind of slowly like removed Distance myself from because I'm like I can't fucking – you got a whole other thing that I don't want to deal with, yeah. Which sounds terrible, but it's just like you feel like they're kind of a. a, a it's hard to say. Well, they're a trying to. Uh, I don't mean like. I don't mean as in like they. In some ways. I mean like they're bad influence on you. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That I don't mean like I'm better than you and I'm leaving. I mean no. as in like you're fucking bumming me out with your negativity. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's often, and this is not in every community because obviously you, these are all generalizations. But I do think that when you're looking at intergenerational poverty, the idea of leaving everything you know, because in order for you to, say, get a university degree, you'll end up speaking in a different way to your family. Yeah. You know, you'll end up learning so much more than your parents. And that's a different dynamic then too because they're no longer the people that know everything in your life. You know more than them. It's interesting too, isn't it, because the immigrant story is sort of very different to this in some ways because yeah, right. there's also that narrative of immigrant parents wanting their children to have better jobs than they did and and then better jobs and again and, you know, working in that way too and that's a whole different dynamic. And so obviously these are all generalisations. But I do think it's a really interesting and difficult mm. thing and you see that a lot in your life when people are trying to better themselves. Even just I think I've heard people comment about, say, weight loss, for instance. Totally. And you might have friends who are enablers who all sit around, have beers and 
Well, like you get a different haircut. <laughs> People are like, nice haircut. You're too good for not having a haircut. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah, I, yeah, it's true with weight loss and it's true with drinking as well. It's like yeah. just have a drink or whatever. And yeah. I'm big on like, fuck off. I don't want to drink. Like if I want to drink, I'll have a drink. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's because you, you're going against the grain and people – some people, not all people, but some people. Yeah, most people find are like whatever. Yeah. yeah, but there are some people who then find you're not wanting to drink, or you're wanting to eat better, or you're exercising every day, as a comment about themselves. And it depends on whether they, how they feel about themselves, mm. you know, as to whether or not they're yeah. supportive of you, or whether they might be sort of critical. Anyway, I actually just I just thought it was a really enjoyable Okay, film. well, I might check that out because, look, I do like Ron Howard despite uh, the movie Solo. I don't think and it's – And you like The Shape of Water. He didn't direct that. No, but, no, yeah, yeah, oh, no, Vanessa I do, wrote yeah. it though. Yes, Vanessa's yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I do like, I did like The Shape Taylor. of Water, yes. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe I will check it out. That's yeah, interesting. I but think, what yeah. – I had another recommendation I might save for next week because we, we're going to talk about that – uh, male authors writing women thread uh, that mm. Meredith Semmelbeck put up in the Planet Broadcasting Grade Mates group, which sparked a huge discussion. Um, it's actually, I'll just read the post if you don't mind, Claire. I would love you to. And it segues uh, quite well from what we were just talking about. It does. About. Both of the things we talked mm. about, actually. So this made me think about Claire's discussion on Suggestible and what she's posted here. It's a picture from Queen's Gambit where the main character from that, she hit, it's, it says male authors trying to show a woman in rock bottom, and it says she's scantily clad and she's sitting and she's got a can of beer and she's smoking a cigarette, but she's still looking very, very... Her hair is pristine. Her makeup is pristine and perfect. And it's all very sexy and evocative at the same time, you know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, But it says, I want to hear other examples you found in TV and from the made you think, yeah, do definitely write that because it's ridiculous to think that a woman behave, talk and think that way. I'd love to hear from women in the group too, but non-women are also welcome to chime in. in. So there's like, at the moment, there's 379 comments on this. And it's just, it's a fascinating thread that I, I read. I think I read mo- all of it going through it. I'm not in the group as much as I would like to be because, you know, we've got other things going on. But I love discussions like this. Like the top one is um, from Dan is like the killing joke where this, that, that story is sent, largely centered around the Joker shoots Batwoman like through the spine and then Batman like has to go and revenge her. Mm-hmm. And, things. and there's... And like that's not even a bad example of it, or the worst example in comics, because there's a bunch of them. That's called there's a term called fridging, where if they need to um, motivate a male character, they'll kill a female character. When it, there was a the example of that's from when a new Green Lantern was introduced, and then they introduced her, his girlfriend, and then in like the second issue, he got home and found her like dead and stuffed in the fridge. So like <laughs> she only existed to like. Yeah, to, to be given the motivation. Yeah, which is so common, and as you go through that thread, that's absolutely true. So often, women are only seen in relation to the men in the story, yes. as mothers or daughters, or as the love interest, or as a way to move the story along. Yeah, absolutely right. Totally, I think. Um, yeah, Danny Wallace has talk, talked about how the difference between Wonder Woman and Justice League. And it's really true because if you look at the way that Gal Gadot was shot in Wonder Woman, which is directed by a woman, and Justice League, and even Batman v Superman, it's very different. And you also look at the Amazons, like the Amazons in the um, in in Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman, they're you know they're mostly covered up and whatever, and they mm. look more like warriors. But in the other versions, they're like got like midriff tops and like little shorts and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and they do. And look, there is that. That also exists in the other one. But if you just want, they're very, they're shot very differently. Well, I mean, it's even like that stupid Jurassic World movie. Yeah. um, Where the female character is just running around in heels the whole time. Mm. Like, you would take them off. 
you would take. And you, you would wouldn't 100% be take walking them off. around a dinosaur park. No, how do you even walk through place? grass? Like it doesn't even make yeah, any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, they fixed it in the second one, fifth one, whatever it is. <laughs> this one, I, yeah. this one, I wanted to ask you about because mm. this is. I, so I've just taken over this thread. I didn't mean to. No, is there no. You want to talk about in particular? Um, I have a couple of things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a long episode. That's all right. One of them was the initial post. I'm like, I just love this conversation. Yeah. I just love it, and I loved listening to all the different. Um, areas in which women have felt just like me, which made me feel less alone and that people yeah. often see this. There was just even the initial image from the Queen's Gambit yeah. really bugged me. I said it was weird, right? Didn't yeah, I? I yeah. And, I, and, and one of the reasons it does bug me is that it shouldn't be a woman at her rock bottom. You should have, they should have written it as a human being at their rock bottom yeah. because women are just as capable of sitting there like – 20 kilos heavier or, or whatever, we, or like with, you know, cigarettes hanging out of their mouth, crumbs all over them in their worst, most disgusting T-shirt, you know? It's normally done for comedy, right? It's like in a rom-com yeah. when the and then they get like the can of whipped cream and they're like, yeah. which is not, it, that's also yeah, like. like that's, in Legally Blonde where she's yeah. getting all the chocolates out of the like chocolate Like that's box. not a real thing though, right? Women don't sit on the couch with a can of whipped cream, no. I assume. There was uh, one person commented um, in the thread about how women don't sit there with a whole punnet of ice cream and eat your it would way melt. through the whole. It would melt. Yeah, it would yeah. become ice cream You go back to soup. the fridge. Yeah, exactly right. Whereas it's more likely to be bread that we would yeah, totally. on. Which I think, you know, carbs, ooh, pasta. That's you know, really true. Which I thought that was yeah. a really interesting comment. Um, this is an interesting yeah. one from Jolene. Um, it says, though I like the show, I feel like the wife in the latest season of Jonathan Creek is a perfect example of my least favourite female character stereotype. I really, really hate the trope that women as a fun killer and the person who wants the male protagonist to stop them from doing whatever they enjoy. Um, yeah, that's very common. Like mm. it's always like, boys, what are you up to? Stop mucking around yeah. and whatever. Yeah, I get that all the I was bloody time. Say, yeah. People, yeah. And it's not, I don't, it's not intentional. And no. I didn't even really notice it until you pointed out yeah, to me. Yeah, it really bugs me. And yeah. Jess from Do Go On gets it quite a lot too. Yeah. She's like, oh, Jess, keep those boys in line. Yeah. And what I find so funny about like Jess and also me is often we're the ones that are like yeah. mucking around or being silly or not keeping things in line uh, and or vice versa. It, it changes. The dynamic yeah, changes. Exactly. But there's memes in the group that are often like Claire's telling off James and Mason. James and Mason are in the corner making a big sandwich. Yeah. Exactly. Like, what are you boys doing in there? And look, part of it is, I guess, from the outside, it looks like I am the kind of mothering person of the planet broadcasting because I do, you know, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Mm. But I also, I, but it's also a projection too, I guess. Well, we make know? all of the decisions like together. together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And with Mason, yeah. obviously. And but, with Mason as well. Yeah. yeah exactly. But like, there's not a thing where you're like, I demand you do it this way because that's too silly or <laughs> whatever. Like, <laughs> no. And I'm like, no, I want to smear pasta all over my computer. <laughs> But yeah, what? Are, and I don't like walking to the room off and going, "What are you boys, what are you boys up to? Yeah. Get back to work." Yeah, but it is quite funny that I've sort of fallen into. I that. mean, anybody who listens to this knows that you derail the show <laughs> constantly. And I More get than very anybody, silly. Yeah. I know, talking about celebrities pooping. Yeah, yeah, look, and you know, and yeah, that's the thing. I think um, women. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Peaky Rios Complex, uh, yeah. has talked about that thing you talked about, like it's bread. 
It's like yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. I read it from the thread. That's yeah, funny. It's sorry, totally I, sorry, I didn't hear your name. So just, yeah. to- oh, thank you, Miss. Yeah, it totally is. It's bread. Um, I actually found a little study done by Gina Davis in 2018. You I love Gina it? Davis. Yeah, totally. All right, so this is done by the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media and the NGO Plan International, and it was published in the Guardian in 2018. It analysed the 56 top grossing films of 2018 in 20 countries: North America, Scandinavia, Africa, Asia, Latin America, and Europe. Mm. Of the characters in leadership positions, it found that women and girls are four times more likely than men to be shown wearing revealing clothing, nearly twice as likely nice. to be shown as partially nude, nice, and four times more likely to be shown completely naked. Nice. Um, research also revealed that twice as many men appeared in the 56 films and they spoke twice as much as women. Yeah. I mean, it's not surprising, is it? Nah. It's more just depressing. I think a big part of that is... Um, yeah, because a lot of the time it's they're the ones making the decision from well, being executives. Is that correct? Because now what it says is male characters were shown as being more effective and more respected when in leadership positions in films, while female presidents and prime ministers were portrayed as struggling with the job. Oh, yeah. Where female characters were portrayed as strong, it's usually in the home. You know, oh, yeah. strong mothers. Strong mothers you know, making a bloody galva. They do, they do it all. They do it all. Correct, exactly. Gina and, Davis was the president, wasn't she, in some show where it's like Gina Davis the, is, is the president. Yeah, she was for sure. Um, This is one of the ones that depressed me the most. Here we go. Uh, again, almost half of the characters across the films across the films analysed, um, which collectively earned $21 billion at the box office, were white. Yeah. Almost half. Shock. Only one of the 60 female leaders in the films was LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. None of the films were directed by women. None. Yeah. None That's, of the films. It's, if you look at like the, the awards at the Oscars as well for, you know. Yeah, it's totally, it's, yeah. There's not many. <laughs> no, only a quarter had at least one female producer. Only a quarter. Mm. And one in ten had at least one woman on the writing team. One in ten. Mm. And so, and there you go. That's 10%. And that's yeah. where it's coming from. Because we're doing the, the Tim Allen uh, trilogy, Santa Claus trilogy at the moment. Oh. And it speaks to like a trend in the 90s. And I think it's because of executives, like at, at higher ups who were ignoring their kids because they're big shot Hollywood executives. So many moves are like, the dad's too busy at work and he can't get home to play baseball with his son or whatever. And his son's like, oh, dad's not here. To... And the mum's like, don't worry, he'll be here soon. There's so many movies that are like that. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like there's like Hook was obviously the Santa Claus. There's there's a bunch of them that are just about like dads who are like, why aren't you being at yeah. home more? And there's also that trope that's in the Santa Claus where the wife divorces the dad because the dad works too much and then the wife marries a new guy who's always like a psychiatrist or someone quite exactly boring with happens, glasses yeah. who's like not fun but very calm. Yeah, you we know? talk specifically about that. And that gets even more, and we'll talk about this in upcoming episodes, but in the Santa Claus 2, he, he has to get a wife uh, to keep his Santa Claus oh thing God. and it just opens up this – it's insane. It's insane universe. You should watch the videos. But, um, yeah. yeah, they're so – it's so weird. It's so weird. But uh, yeah, there's uh, Elaine Gray talks about the West Wing, how it's 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 like Aaron Aaron Sorkin has never actually met a woman, and oh, that's something that you've talked about so recently. So frustrating. The first season is I really thought watching it in the '90s that like those all really w- women characters that were really strong and interesting and intelligent, and then I've watched it since and been so depressed. 
Yeah. There's this one from Crystal. It says, no specific examples, but I hate the trope of cool, the cool girl who, unlike normal girls, will eat wings and burgers and just generally stuff her <laughs> face. Um, yeah, no, that is a normal lady. That's what I found. Like the people that I know, maybe it's not every example, but yeah. women just eat regular food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know it's that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, see, this is the thing, right? Um, I recently had a listener write in who explained he was a writer of films yes. and TV and wanted to know how he could better write female characters. And I really struggled to reply. As and we said you can't. <laughs> no, I just haven't replied to him yet. I will. Yeah. As I felt I didn't know the answer. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so this Facebook thread really nailed it for me. The reason I couldn't answer him is because there is no one way to write women just as there is no one way to write men or any human being, regardless of gender or sexuality or race or identity, you know. People love stereotypes and boxes, but none of us fit neatly into them. And in film in general, men are allowed to be as flawed and funny and terrible and great and villainous and heroic as they like. I wouldn't even say they're allowed to be. I'd say it's just... It's just more seen. Yeah, well, because, because of because just, of the numbers that you're talking yeah, about they're earlier. Seen yeah. as white blokes up until very recently have just been seen mm. as the baseline. Kelly, you know, manic, like the bland mm. person, you know. Kelly, manic pixie dream girl, totally. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you know that. Abso- yes, like I do. That Emily kind of fucking. Yes, yeah, I know that it comes up a lot, even in love. Um, not love actually. Oh no, it does in love actually, but also in um about time. Yes. You know? that, I've always said that that character doesn't make any sense, the sister. Yeah, and you're right, actually. I've since have watched it and gone, yeah, she's... And also Rachel least... McAdams does, like, become, like, less important as that movie. But it's about fathers and sons, I guess, that movie anyway. Yeah, it's not about... she does become yeah, less yeah. important. She absolutely mm. does. Um, yeah, so um, just as women are often only portrayed one-dimensionally, the same can be said for all types of people. I don't know if you've seen this recently. For example, transgender people are often mischaracterised and typecast in film as villains or mentally ill. That's very true. And you see it a lot. Like recently I was watching a BBC murder mystery show because, you know, that's what I love to do. And inexplicably one of the guy's sons just happened to be transgender mm. and it was sort of portrayed that he was off the rails. And I was watching it thinking that has nothing to do with him being transgender. Like that didn't Well, need... that, that, that seems like it did. No, I know exactly. No, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it, it doesn't. The J.K. Rowling's there. new book is also like oh, it's a yeah, bit like the murderers. Oh, yeah, that's whole wormhole. Yeah. yeah. I, the movie Ace Ventura, the villain is a, is a transgender person yeah, or, at the end of or that. Han- yeah. Is it Hannibal? Um, no, Silence of the Lambs. The, vil- the murderer oh, yeah, in that. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just such a damaging um, kind of stereotype to keep perpetuating. I was so excited to see Elliot Page um, identify her pronouns as he and they and come out as trans. Yeah, absolutely. That um, just happened, yeah. Just very, very recently. Just another example of um, a voice that needs to be heard for people of totally. all kinds of different backgrounds and diversity because I think this, what it, this is what it all speaks to. We're all just human beings and when you write characters, if you are a writer, mm. you you should write your character first and foremost as a human being and then their gender or their sexuality or their race should be secondary to that. Mm. So, the, so you should just be writing the person that you want to write and then if they have obstacles that come up because of their gender. They need to eat ice cream. Think about how would they eat that (laughs) ice cream? No, but it's more, it's more about, you know, I think it's like what Livia Coleman said, her most interesting roles have been the ones where you just transfer. Um, They were written for a bloke and you just put a woman in there because so, or, or someone else from a different background because so, so often 
there is very little that you need to change to make that character female. Totally, you know, yeah. It's like very little. Daniel Vogel talks would, about um, you know? uh, Margot Robbie and Sh- Sharon Tate and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is really true. It's like a non-character in that movie. Yeah, there's heaps of really good examples here. One of my favourite ones came from a listener's wife who he didn't name, so I apologise. It's from Danny Wallace. Here's one from my wife. Um, Avengers Endgame, Tony Stark gets a funeral scene and Black Widow gets Hulk throwing a bench. <laughs> oh, I did read that one. <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, my yeah. goodness. It's so, so, yeah, true. and there's people in here who are talking about, yeah, who are like, I don't know whether I could write women or whatever or how would I even approach something like that. But, yeah, but I think... I mean, I don't know. I'm not a writer. What do I know? But, yeah, yeah. It, uh, for me, like, and the same with you, the characters I relate to are the ones from wherever, whatever the background is, whatever their orientation is, it's, it's like, comes from a place of, like, truth, I guess. Yeah, yeah. like, as, as a human being, what would you do as a person, not mm. as, as a What woman. would a woman do? Yeah, exactly. Like, a woman would probably do very similar things to a man, depending. Panic. Depending on the type of character you're writing, yeah. you know, depending on the type of character you're writing. That's right. Yeah, you're working the you're working flaws yeah. and whatever. I don't know. I don't know anything about writing. What do I know? Not a goddamn thing. No, but I think that's a good place to start. And obviously, the other thing would be to choose women who have experience with the kinds of problems mm. faced by your characters in the story and have a chat. Yeah. You know, have a bloody chinwag, yeah. mate. Oh, just quickly on the Elliot Page thing as well. What I found really interesting on that, and I'm sure there is blowback. I'm, I haven't really had I a good really look at it. I haven't really looked. You wrote such a beautiful post mm. on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. And what I think is compare this to like what would have happened 20 years ago if something like this happened. Mm. You know, the same person or a similar person 20 years ago, completely different reaction. And I know there's some people who, again, would have pushed back against this, but there is this idea of like acceptance now, which is. And I think it's again of like people getting used to these things and realizing, hey, it's not it's not a big deal. Like it is, a, of course, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, but you know what I mean. It's not going to affect you. They're not going to not going to make you. It doesn't affect you at all. You know what I mean. No one's going to make you. You don't do anything to yourself or anybody else. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. you don't need to worry about it. This is just somebody else's personal journey, and this is the thing that they're doing. And fucking mm. chill out. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I just mm. think there just needs to be more representation of different types of masculinity and femininity, you yep. know, and that whole broad spectrum. It's a spectrum. You and know. you see it in kids as well, like because being teachers. Totally. You totally see it in kids. And I, I know you, you also see it in adults, but I think it's more evident in kids a lot of the time because mm. um, there's that no filter and it's just this whole spectrum, you know. And yeah. I think that can that also gets worn away often when people grow up, you know, because of certain expectations and pressures put on them and whatever. Or maybe people just go through phases. That's also a thing as well, obviously. But, but yeah, I think it's really interesting that, like, it's a, it is just like a natural thing and it's also a lot with the animal kingdom. It's a spectrum. You know what I mean? The whole thing is yeah, a spectrum. And you, totally. can, you, know, you can fit anywhere on that. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So, so more diversity, please. No, I say less diversity. That was my point. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't. That's the point I was making. Yeah, and I think in the end, right, the only way this is really going to change is to have more women on writing teams and executive yep. roles and in producing. I mean, that's why you get, you know, the Undoing even was produced by Nicole Kidman. I know you didn't really enjoy it, but I still. It kind of wrapped up all right. I to reckon be fair. it did. Yeah, yeah. I reckon it wrapped up. But it's up kind of a good. bunch of bullshit in the middle of it. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. And good performances and whatever. Anyway, we should get to the the, the listeners. Uh, we bloody, should. we this got has a bloody been message, a mate. Very long. This episodes. is your fault. I would never make an episode this long in my life. What do we got? What do we got? What All do right. We got? So if you'd like to email the show with your suggestions at suggestiblepod at gmail.com, you can. And we would love to get emails, but also you can do a voice memo. Just say up top your name and where you're listening from. Yep. And you might just end up in the show. Just like this person. Exactly. Here we go. 
Hi, Claire and James. Just thought I'd get in touch with a little suggestible of my own right here. Uh, this is something that means quite a lot to me personally. It's a comic book uh, by IDW Publishing in DC. Uh, it's called Love is Love. It was published shortly after the horrific uh, nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida, at the Pulse nightclub, uh, the gay nightclub. And it's just basically a comic book that celebrates lots of LGBT plus love stories and everything like that. It was organized by Mark and Draco, who's a comic book writer. He works mainly on Wonder Woman and a lot of other DC comics. Um, and a lot of comic book writers and artists donated their time and talent to all come together and bring something beautiful out of something absolutely tragic. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think everyone should check out Love is Love. Cool. Great recommendation. What, yeah, what an that was from week Nathan Bauer. Okay, cool, because I was going to say, who was that from, Claire? Make yeah. sure, Nathan, put, put your name up top. No, that was fine. That's a really good recommendation. I'm actually just purchasing this. Right now on my Comixology. Correct. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Nathan. So you can be just like Nathan and be just like Nathan. All right. And reviewing. I got some reviews here. Don't even worry about it, Claire. You can review the show. You can just do it in app. You can do it in app. You can do it in app. This is from Pickle256 says, less successful, but not in my heart. Listening to James become increasingly exasperated as Claire fully commits to the bit, never makes, never fails to make me laugh. Those are both hilarious and charming in their own right, but together they have a fantastic dynamic that's a joy to listen to. If you ever want a story about strong women or AI taking over the world, suggestible this podcast <laughs> for you. Though I like to listen for the banter more than anything else. So that's a beautiful uh, thank you and, and uh, not inaccurate um, uh, review. We could just do something short like this from the, the Hammigans. says, don't hate me, only writing this review so James doesn't hate me. Well, I don't hate you, the Hammigans. You've done the right thing. So, yeah, it really helps the show. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you. What do you got else in terms of letters, Claire? Is that it? That's it. That's all it. Right, let's wrap up the show this then. week. We've been Suggestible Potto. You can listen to us in all the apps and all the things and... Love is love. Love is love. Love is love. Just get over it and just bloody let people do what they want. <laughs> Correct. Fucking back and up. Give some bloody women some more bloody words to say. Diverse in general, I say. Correct. Less boobs, more words. No, That's not less boobs. Nobody's saying less boobs. <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> it's perfect. All right. All right. Thanks, finish. guys. Bye. Goodbye. Oh, thanks for calling for editing. Thanks, Collins. He's done it again. How did he do it? I don't know. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.